This is a topic that I think is really interesting. I'm going to talk to a couple interesting people today of the comedian-minded brain type who had a bit of a run-in each, respectively, with uh, some alt-right anti-masker types and some cops and even the Supreme Court, very possibly, entire governments and things like that because of uh, satire, you know? which is an issue near and dear to my heart. I don't know. It's an interesting question. Sometimes I'm a vulgar materialist and I say, no, fuck you, only overthrow capitalism. 
can solve all this shit. But you see how much propaganda the enemy uses, and it uses it works to their great advantage, you know. So the question is, do we do it back? Can a hand turkey uh, explode an ice agent? I shouldn't use those guys as examples anymore, but you know what I mean. Can art be a weapon? I don't know. We'll find out today. Today we have uh, comedian John Merrifield who had a little run-in with the feds, much like myself. I get a lot of these uh, stories shared with me after my thing with ICE. And, um... Lawyer... from Canada... named Kareem Assad, who uh, makes comics, oddly enough, and seems to piss off all the right people with them. So, enjoy the show. We'll talk to those people, we'll do some jokes, we'll talk a little bit at the end and that'll be the show all right enjoy the show everybody Let's intro it that way. Yeah, I already recorded you saying that, so that's how we're starting the show. We're talking about carrots. It's Space Jam 3 over here, bitch. Right. Uh, <laughs> hey. You know what? I thought there would be more. I thought I could riff on carrots harder than this, and it turns out there's not a whole lot of material in well, the Well, we should explain. Well. So Jake was like, all right, we'll start in a second. I'm just going to finish eating this carrot. Then John said, oh, we can eat carrots? I got some carrots right here. And then I also have carrots, and it turns out they are the same very provocative, uh, sensuous brand as Jake. Bunny Love, the Bunny Love Company, fresh organic carrots with uh, this woman makes Lola Bunny look like uh, Betty White. Wait she a minute. Wait a minute. There provocative. Is, there is like a hot Lola Bunny on the carrot bag. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hold the bag up again, because I just Dude. saw the eyes, and otherwise it's just a bunny. Okay. And now you're talking shit about Lola Bunny? Look there at the way she's holding this carrot. And it's she's very phallic. Dirty, for sure, <laughs> she wants but I don't think... This is a sexual. This is a small here. business owner. No, she's You're got to objectify her. She's got a holster. Listeners? She's got little cartoon hearts jumping out of her head, which is how you know a cartoon is horny. Yes. <laughs> she's in love. She is horny for the carrot. Just for carrots. Just for the You're idea of selling involved. carrots. 
I mean, I there know, are people man. who are in love with the Eiffel Tower and can only get off by, like, thinking of the Eiffel Tower and they go there and masturbate in front of it. You know, I what? don't think it's... I'm one yeah. of those people, actually. You don't you see go. the way this bunny lady's looking at me, though, Alex. Yeah, everybody Google, if you're listening, bunny love, bunny hyphen L-U-V carrots, oh, and you will you see what we're talking about. you just make that thing up about the Eiffel Tower? No, that that's... No, like, there are people who... everybody know this? Yes. It feels like it's a well established thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's been, you know, if you were if you were someone growing up who didn't have cable and were, you know, the parents weren't home in the daytime, you flip on the TV, you you see these people getting interviewed on the talk shows. They're real. Bunny Love. They're real. Sh- should be on them too. Should be on there too. Uh John, what kind of love. what is your brand of carrots? Oh shit. Uh I didn't bring them with me. I'm I'm <laughs> afraid to look because if they're the same carrots, I'm gonna lose my shit. It's gonna be really but, weird. Yeah, go Let's just say it is for the sake of if we're all in New York then that probably might happen, but let me see. We like to have our guests <laughs> introduce their brand of carrots before we tell anyone who they are. Yeah. Ideally. We're That's gonna the way so these things are done. You might know this guy from eating Buddy Love Carrots or no, Dole. No, they're just Dole. Yeah, they're just Dole, okay. Yeah. I remember the first Big time business. I ever heard of Dole. I thought no. Dole was associated no. with Bob Dole. You can't start talking about Bob Dole. We'll get deal- derailed. Uh, all right, all right. Hello, everyone. To fall into a Dole hole. Welcome to the show. <laughs> we can't get stuck into a K-Dole, which is what... <laughs> <laughs> that's when Anders does Kratom and talks about Bob Dole. And- <laughs> <laughs> dissociating. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pod Damn America, the Gothic Socialist podcast for the stupid children, It's and so on and so forth. That's the new thing I'm adding to the intro to the show, the Zizek line, and so on and so forth. <laughs> I like uh, it. Um, I'm Jake Flores. Alex Patak is here. And so on and so forth. Anders Lee is here. Anders Lee here and all the rest of it. And we are joined David by... David Harvey would say. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, I like that. Okay, yeah. All the rest of it. All the rest of it. Um... And we are joined by uh, comedian and Antifa super soldier John Merrifield. Welcome. Good to be here, everybody. Yeah, man. Um, okay, so I know a little bit about your story you're going to tell us. Uh, I have, I going to be honest with you, I usually read before we do this, but I went to a really good party last night and did not have time to repair this morning. But I know from talking to you a little bit about what happened. Can you just go ahead and walk us through this entire debacle that happened with you down in... Uh, so down in down in Louisiana, yeah, in Cajun country, You're in the swamp. By the I don't know about Swamp cops yeah. are after you. Yeah, all of those things are true. Basically, Jake, what you have here is I've been locked into situations of helplessness and uh, hopelessness. And oh wait, it's positions, isn't it? Fuck, I was trying to reference the intro. No one knows anyway. what he's saying. It's crazy. <laughs> Lock them into positions. All right, so there's like some things you have to know before you can really understand. What exactly is going on? Uh, these are like, a, I wrote down some FAQs that I get every time I talk about this. One thing people want to know is because uh, this whole thing spawned from my meme page called Cajun Memes. So a lot of people want to know what the hell is a Cajun. Uh, so a Cajun. <laughs> That's how this Cajun, started. <laughs> Cajuns cool. are, uh, a C- Cajun is short for Akajan, which is Acadian. It's like a shortened word, like the way that old cowboys used to say Indian instead of Indian. Yeah. Uh, so that's what a Cajun is. And so they're descendants of people who migrated from, like, eastern Canada, eastern and northern Canada. Uh, there was, like, a great expulsion. I don't know all the details. I, like, did a rundown of, like, the basics to explain all this shit. 
And so we all settled in Louisiana, basically. Okay. Um, and so that's what Cajuns are. And uh, at a, for a time, they were like uh, synonymous with Creole, but there's been like a lot of differentiation in recent years. And to be clear, you are of Cajun extraction. Uh, as far as, I mean, like everybody who was born in South Louisiana, not everybody, but most people who were born in South Louisiana identify as Cajun, but there's no okay. way... I mean, like, I have no idea if uh, right. how much Cajun Cajun blood I have in me. Yeah, right. You could do the thirty for thirty test, for but it wouldn't. Five seconds. Yeah, it's yeah. way more. It's way more cultural than it is, uh, like, and it's it's technically ethnicity, but it's more of a cultural thing. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and so um, another thing that people want to know is what a parish is, because in Louisiana we have parishes rather than counties, uh, and. A parish is just basically back in the uh, the days when the Roman Catholic Church was in charge of Louisiana. All of the territories, like all of the division, was made based on the the church parishes, and so they just kept that instead of switching to counties. It's the same, effectively the same thing. Yeah, because like um, France owned all that shit before, right? Yeah, That's yeah. Where this is coming from? Yeah, and they they yeah. Before they it was Louisiana and a statue. Uh, what? <laughs> Do you know James Carville? Yeah. I mean, I don't know him, but I know who he is. But he, because he, he strongly reps the, the Cajun lifestyle and the, the Cajun culture. I don't know about he that. Has... He's a little bit too bougie to be repping the Cajun culture. Yeah, well, he... he has. Doesn't he have a, the ugliest home on earth in South Louisiana? I know very little about this man. Okay. That my mom the... used to love him on Fox News. He's, gotcha. He does evil. Or hate him. I'm not sure. Neoliberal <laughs> shit. And then he goes Cajun style while he's like, yeah, he's, got an, <laughs> he's got an incredibly tacky house that he's is super expensive that um, I think is in the region. But Well, that's a very Cajun to have a very expensive tacky house. That's yeah. a Cajun. That's a Cajun thing. Okay. Let me tell you. Who are Cajun. I would not live in that house for all the carrots in the world, John. <laughs> nice. Okay, so... Right, so the, the last FAQ is... Uh, okay, so if you don't know already, I'm being sued by my hometown, um, which is Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, and mainly it's like the mayor president uh, who is after me. And instead of a mayor, we have a mayor president because our parish is consolidated with the city of Lafayette. So Lafayette Parish has like a bunch of cities within it that are consolidated with Lafayette, the city. And so the mayor president okay. is the mayor of Lafayette, but he's also the president of the parish. Mm. Holds both positions simultaneously. <laughs> what a backwards place you're from. Yeah, I know. So all of this, <laughs> all of this to, to, to say the rest of the story. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Uh, so anyway, um, what had happened was the mayor president uh, and his administration were trying to defund some recreation centers on the poor side of town where I grew up. And like I, in an eighties movie where you have to beat him with skateboarding to save the recreation center. Yeah, we 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 were gonna dance, but then I decided to make <laughs> these fa Facebook events. I see. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and so it was just like really frustrating and I felt very powerless because I'm in New York City and like the reason, I mean, there's like a multitude of reasons why I left Louisiana, but uh, the primary ones are like just for my own mental health. And so it's like I still have a lot of uh, sentimental attachment to my home and so, and like everybody that I grew up with and everybody that I know and love lives there still. Um, or at least 90% of the people I know and love. So like things that happen down there affect me uh, because they affect the people I care about. And when this recreation center thing happened, it was like rec centers that I used to play at when I was a kid. 
And it was just like it hit close to home because it felt like the the city is always like making moves to help the the rich donors and like to do like uh, face saving things to make them look like they care about poor people, but they don't actually. Like right now, they're enforcing some super strict panhandling stuff where like cops are being mm. threatened with punishment if they don't enforce it. Um, but uh, it was just really frustrating to see them do this to the rec centers and then like the outrage was like not enough to do anything so I thought and so I was like alright well maybe I will you know uh, get the conversation going and uh, I did this uh, this uh, satirical Antifa takes River Ranch event um, River Ranch is the rich neighborhood in my hometown so you made a and Facebook event to scare old people with like you've been invited to the Antifa takeover of this neighborhood. Yeah, kind of. I I didn't even really invite anyone except like a couple of my friends. I just posted it to my Cajun my Cajun memes page. Like I posted it. <laughs> like, the v- event was created by my meme page. Like it wasn't even my name on it. Like people know that I run the page, but that was like strategical because I needed people to know that it was a joke. Uh, and the event like said ridiculous things like only card carrying Antifa members. Uh, should come by and like only people in uniform and they're Antifa uniforms and uh, it was said arms optional legs encouraged was one of the things that people <laughs> seem to really like um, but like you know things like that were supposed to clue people in that it wasn't serious and yeah. it did because because no one showed up except for uh, the entire battalion of police that the mayor president <laughs> <laughs> oh man that rules <laughs> Engage. They're just yeah, there. We're there at the time because all the the city's resources and the police force was distracted by this one fake event. Were there crimes going on in other parts of the city? Coordinated? I highly uh, doubt it. I doubt that there were any other more serious matters that they could have been attending to. Yeah. Uh, what's really funny is that's something we should work on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's really funny is that they they didn't even man the vehicles that were parked. Like they parked a bunch of vehicles in this neighborhood. A bunch of police vehicles, but they were largely empty. I had a friend who went and checked, and there were, like, nobody in the cars. It was just kind of like a show of force. And then they had two police roaming the neighborhoods, uh, but that supposedly was just, like, normal. Like, they already do that because it's a rich neighborhood. Um, And so, like, there's a lot of, like, ridiculous contradictions because they, they sued me saying that this is all my fault. But when you go back to the news story, like, the chief of police... For the second event, there's another one that I did. He says that like they responded to it. Uh, they were they didn't respond to my thing. They were there for a different reason. Like it was ridiculous. So the second thing I did, huh. this was after the first one. The second thing I did was I did Antifa takes Acadia in a mall. And after the first one, no one showed up. I thought for sure they're definitely not going to send police to another one because no. I already know it was a joke. No. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh, and so I did it again, and they evacuated the mall. <laughs> wow! <laughs> with with gu- with guns drawn, like no like, shit. There were well, rumors. You can't tell who's Antifa once it's happening, <laughs> right? Uh, but there, yeah, right. And so, I mean, I mean, I want to say all the obvious things, like Antifa is not a, an organization. But uh, in fact, the second event even I Joe made, Biden knows it. He yelled it at the debates this year. Exactly, and thank you, Joe. That's why we love him, and uh, that's why we love him, folks. And <laughs> so the second event, like I started the event off with the words "Antifa." Oh, Acadia Antifa is back and more organized than ever. 
<laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> right? I don't remember what the rest said. That I, I, I can't access that event anymore. But uh, So did they a... think that, like, okay, this first one, it was actually real, but then they saw uh, all our big guns and strong men, and they were scared off, but this time they're going to show up in bigger numbers, so we got to be prepared for that. Did they think, like, the whole time it was real, or did they register that the first one was fake, but they, they got fooled again, or...? Well, the first one was made over, I want to say it was like two weeks before the scheduled date. Oh, and the time I set, the set I set the time for Saturday at 4.20. Uh, nice. Like it was. Right. It was, all yeah. of the, it's weird because there's like this dual thing that's happening where all of the jokes that you're putting in, people like us are going to look at and go, ha ha, I get it. <laughs> But then there's like a detective at the police station, like 420. Do you know what this means? I've discovered that through research that it means a secret code that means marijuana and all this stuff. And Hitler's all. birthday. Yeah. 420 is like the equinox for drug users. <laughs> it's the time of their their highest power level. Yeah. That's, yeah. It rules. Uh, that's 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 yeah, exactly why I said it for that. Time. <laughs> so the basis of this lawsuit is that it was a waste of uh, money and resources uh but like what what money was spent that wouldn't have been spent otherwise so like like was there extra money spent well, for this event or like what they don't do they detail just... any of that in the lawsuit they just say that they're suing me for damages no greater than the amount of seventy five thousand dollars and so, you have that lying around right oh yeah of course i do okay um they the carrot uh, stocks they 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 set it to seventy five thousand because if it's any more than that, then it goes to federal court. And so their little uh, their their southern uh, crony judges won't get to look at it and yeah. say we can't send it to real court. Yeah, <laughs> definitely yeah. won't hold up. So <laughs> yes, I mean like that makes it so obvious. And they don't like the, like why not just specify an amount? Why not just say seventy five thousand? But the lawsuit says an amount no greater than seventy five thousand dollars. Like, we want to make sure that it doesn't exceed this number, no matter what it tallies up to. But you definitely cost the police department exactly that much money, according to them, somehow unquantifiably and unitemized. Just, right. It, what it, I also think is funny is that, like, if I did cost them more money, they will just take the loss as long as it doesn't go above $75,000. Yeah. Because then it goes to federal court. So, like... It's not even about recouping the, the the losses. It's about teaching me a lesson, and uh, and lesson not learned. <laughs> well, clearly, so, yeah. When's the third one gonna happen? Uh, I made a third one. And it was just a fundraiser event, but it was like Antifa takes Lafayette Consolidated Government or something like that. And uh, <laughs> no, it was Antifa takes Hurricane Laura, and it was the location was set to Lafayette Consolidated Government, but it was just a fundraiser for the hurricane. Have you considered like uh, Antifa? Uh, all of the undercover Antifa members who are proposing as police officers reveal yourselves on on a given date to just strike paranoia in the the hearts of these police officers. Right, like Devil Man Crybaby. Sorry, yeah. oblique sure. anime <laughs> reference, but that's kind of the plot of that show. Yeah. Uh, the one other funny thing about it is that um, I mean, you know, it's subjective, but I always thought it was funny that the the police didn't investigate like even a little bit. Like, they didn't call me. They didn't, uh, you know, they didn't ask anybody related to me if they might have, like, had any reason to believe that the events were real. And they also said, like, the the, the, the government said publicly after uh, days of news stories about it being fake that they knew it was fake because I had already said by the time it happened several times in the news that it was fake. Like, I wasn't trying to hide that it was fake. 
it was the whole point of the joke. Uh, and so, like, they're now trying to sue me for events that they already admitted were fake. And then, for again, for the Acadiana Mall thing, they did not admit that that's why they were there. Like, they, they <laughs> said publicly that they were there for something else, not specifying what that something else so, was. This is an so, awesome display of cop logic. <laughs> they, they didn't investigate you, so what is the prog progression for you? You just got, like, a letter in the mail, hey, you're being sued by the state of Louisiana for $75,000? <laughs> Um, well, first, I got called by the FBI, uh, oh, and and they just wanted to know. Well, first they went to my they went to my mom and my stepdad's house, and they left a business card. And then uh, when I finally talked to them, they were like, "Yeah, because the pandemic. If we would have come to meet you in New York, it would have taken months. So we're just calling you." Uh, and but like he's just saying that to let me know they know where I live. Uh, but he was just basically like, "Is this real or not?" And I was like, "It's not real." And they're like, "Okay, just making sure." And that was it. Like they did their due diligence. They asked the question, and then they didn't act any further because it wasn't real. And if the police had done that, like, but instead they not only they not only dignified my first event with a response, but they dignified my second event with a response, which like is like twice as silly. They did mm -hmm. the like the principal Skinner. I was here to get directions to get a, oh, how to get away from here thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, can, the, can the businesses at the mall sue <clears throat> the police for um, causing them to lose business? Uh, I mean, I do not know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but <laughs> but oh. the, uh, I do want to say that there were some people who uh, were like, they lost hours, and that's like never my intention uh, to like cost people, you know, working class people money. So uh, when this was all going down and like all my posts were getting a lot of shares, I just like posted that if anybody wants to be reimbursed for the hours they lost, that I got you. And then I did a little fundraiser on my Facebook for people to help me reimburse them. Oh, and nice. So everybody who hit me up, it was like five or six people, everybody who hit me up got fully reimbursed for the hours that they missed. And that offer is ongoing for anyone who's there. Oh, that's there. great. That's very I'm cool of you. Although I, I don't think it's your fault that the police don't understand that an Antifa event shared on Cajun memes page on Facebook is No, I don't think real. it's my fault, but the police aren't going to pay these people back. Yeah, I actually lost, so I was supposed to do a stock deal there uh, worth $3 million. So if you could add me to that. <laughs> <Just don't laughs> that Anders. He uh, works for the Russian government. That's true. <laughs> so, do you have uh, legal representation? How's that? How's that working? Yeah, uh, Bizer and Darus Law Firm are representing me. Bizer and Darus, okay. <laughs> and they're civil rights attorneys out of New Orleans. Nice. Uh, but uh, my the the my point of contact is Andy Bizer, and he's like licensed in New York and uh, Louisiana, so that's helpful, I think. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is your um, case ongoing? I thought it was already over. No, I'm appealing. To, we're we're appealing to the Supreme Court. Oh wow! Holy shit! Of Louisiana or the big one? We already appealed to the Supreme Court of Louisiana, and they decided to let it uh, keep going because uh, we're trying to have it thrown out on like no merit, you know? Yeah. Um, and because my my lawyers are ordering, I mean, are arguing that there is no duty of like service on my part or duty of care on my part to where I did something that I had a duty not to do. And so there's no way like that they can charge me because there is like there's no way they can charge me money for the thing that happened because it was it was more of a, a negligent like overreaction and so mm -hmm. it's not a, something that a reasonable you know government would have done is and it's like it's also like textbook First Amendment violation like they're they're suing the the government is suing me for a joke like right yeah what the fuck <laughs> this is this is what gets me about the entire thing so there's a write up about you. 
that we read. And uh, they try to do the, the newspaper thing where they're like, this simple story has more going on than you'd guess because these joke events... Is it not the police's due diligence to at least show up in case counter-protesters arrive? And it's like, no! Yeah. <laughs> it's not! If anything, if this is a problem with anybody, it wouldn't be the comedian who posted on the Cajun memes page. It just means Facebook is like a public menace. Right. Yeah, because or, people are so confused they're showing up places with guns. Or like, we're just living in a Philip K. Dickian reality where like you have to assume any bit could occur at any time that would cause <laughs> a dumb person to then respond to it and think it's real. So there's just like hypothetical quantum counter protester proud boy guys everywhere technically because like i get a lot of like because the ice thing happened to me a couple years ago and it went viral i i i get stories like this a lot like a lot of comics hit me up and go dude fucking fbi came to my house and cia came to my house fucking whoever um you know and then we're all kind of in this weird little group chat together we're like what did your officer look like you know it's just this odd thing that keeps like happening but like it's so pervasive that it kind of seems that the new reality that we're living in with like social media and us trolling on it and shit like that is creating this situation where like police are like gaslit out of their minds and don't know what's real or not and they're like fighting against like the onion and satire and comedy and shit and like uh it's not but it's not our fucking fault you know it's the their job is dumb you know yeah. right you make one phone call and all of a sudden the SWAT team has to check and make sure your refrigerator is not running yeah they're just getting constantly, <laughs> and they're like agitated and have guns and shit they're like you have to fucking tell me if my refrigerator is running uh, my mom went for to $75,000 <laughs> my mom went to rent a car because she got uh, she got in an accident it wasn't her fault and she's fine but she got in an accident and she had to go rent a car and the guy working at the rental place while he was wearing a mask she recognized his voice and it was a guy I went to high school with and she was like oh yeah did you know I'm John's mom and she's like I'm gonna put he, he goes I'm gonna punch that guy in the face next time I see him and she's <laughs> like why and he goes because I have friends on the force and he called in a bomb threat at the mall and like that's just not true. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> For bomb threats, you can go to Cajun Bomb Threats page. Different Facebook page. Completely yeah. different administration. Cajun Bomb Threat, it sounds like a really good hot sauce. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. He threatened it's ironically a stand at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> Which used to be a great gag. Before 9-11, teenagers would do that. And it was like, oh, yeah, the Secret Service shows up. They make sure it's fake. And then they, they move on. Uh, and that could have been not saying, you know, not encouraging anyone to do that in any time. Don't but, do that. Yeah. Uh, but, like, this easily could have been, if they were really concerned about it, they could have sent one cop to each of these places, made sure it's not a thing. Right. Why did back. the entire army show up? Like, that doesn't yeah. make any fucking sense. Also, at the same time, we were there for something else, and we didn't fall for it, but we had to bring a tank. Like, none of this shit right. adds up. I mean, like, but I don't know this town, but there's a very high chance there was nothing else to do that day. <laughs> uh, well, that... Yeah. We have report no, that someone has uh, counterfeited one million doll hairs at the mall <laughs> and a Hertz donut and all the other things. I mean, is that kind of the case in, in Lafayette? Because I, you know, having lived in like the Midwest and in, in Minnesota, I've driven through like 
smallish towns like exurbs and suburbs and stuff, and they'll have uh, NCIS vans. And this is after the show, and which like the show was basically made up. That like before the show, nobody had an NCIS crew in whatever <laughs> city. But like Forest Lake, Minnesota, does not need an NCIS division. But they got the fucking van because they have these you know three hundred million dollar contracts with whatever. Uh, has that been the case in Lafayette for a while that there's just a heavy, heavy spending on, on policing and just, a, a lot of paranoia about crime and, you, you could know. have a whole podcast with how much corruption is, uh, is involved in the, the governing of the city of Lafayette and the parish. Okay. Um, so I, I'm not even going to like try, but yeah, there is a lot of overspending in, uh, regarding legal matters that have nothing to do with me. And mm-hmm. so this is just like another example of that, uh, them overreaching and like just also like, I don't know, they're just trying, it's, it's a lot of it is like saving face. Like it, it's, it's, it's not even like fiscally responsible. It's just like you embarrassed me. And, yeah. and that's what a lot of the, the like uh, there was some people in the, who, who run the, the utility system in Lafayette that supported his, uh, the mayor president's opposition in the race. And then like, they started an investigation into the utility system just as retaliation and they didn't find anything, but like, you know, it just like inconvenienced this guy, I guess, or whatever. I don't know all the details, but like, there's a lot of stuff like that happening in my hometown. And so this mm-hmm. was like my way of trying to like shed light on that. Right. Yeah, It'd be cool. funny if uh, this was actually the one town in America that is not over-policed. <laughs> yeah. it's funny, the budget's been low. I don't. I don't know how this happens. Yeah, and I take it the uh, money is probably needed elsewhere in the city. Is that accurate? Is that fair? Oh to my say? god! So because of my event and okay, the the second event, the mall thing was a response to a police shooting. Uh, this guy mm. named Trayford Pellerant was shot in the back like seven times by like six different right. cops uh, as he was walking away from them, as you were usually doing when you're shot in the back, and he had a knife. Which, fuck them! I'm so it makes me yeah. so mad. Uh, like even if he had a gun, that's not illegal. But he had a knife. Tackle the guy. I don't give a shit. But uh, they shot him a bunch, and people were obviously upset because it was all cut on video. And uh, again, I felt powerless. There was like protests happening, so I wanted to like do something again to like shed light on the injustice happening in my hometown. So the Acadiana, the Tifa takes Acadiana Mall had like a link to like the fundraiser for him, for his family and stuff like that. Like it was a joke, but it was also like, you know, like if you went to click on the tickets link, it would just be the fundraiser link. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so the, I don't remember why I started telling you about the policing thing, but it was a, res- oh yeah, so it was a response to that. And then because of the protests of that shooting, the mayor president of Lafayette, right after a hurricane where the people in like Charles, Louisiana and surrounding areas are like evacuating and like seeking asylum and shelter for, for from places that weren't hit as hard like Lafayette, the mayor president says that the protest makes it too unsafe. And so he told all the people who were wanting to open their doors to to people seeking shelter from the hurricane that he uh, that they could not. That they could not mm. take in refugees. And like that's just such a cop out. Like I don't even understand like what what how it would have hurt him to let the refugees come. I think he just wanted to like demonize the protesters. Hmm. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like it. The core of this issue uh, is something we're going to be dealing with for a long time, which is uh, the 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 like 
mental schism this country has in terms of what protesters are and like what antifa is you know mm. because we're all on the same page that like antifa in, t- in terms of like a terror cell or whatever they're marketing on as fox news is not real it's not an organization you can show up and like destroy uh but these people like you, that guy thinks you called in a bomb threat for real like he's like antifa was involved those are some bad dudes i've seen them as the villains of several 90s films um i just don't know how it's going to resolve from here the uh the beginning of the lawsuit it starts with a a, a quote from donald trump's twitter and it's the one where he like declares antifa terrorists Uh, it's not and, and, and their argument is not that because he said it than like they're terrorists. The arg- their argument is that because he said it, people believe they're terrorists, and so I shouldn't have done my event because the the, the president made everybody scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that fucking rules. That's so funny. <laughs> well, maybe they're scared of you, and that's why they haven't uh, asked you any questions at all. Is they're scared yeah. you're gonna whip out some some knives or they throwing stars? Made- Nobody from the government in Lafayette, Louisiana, outside of the Cajun FBI agent who called me, has made any attempt to contact me since this all started. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. It, the FBI agent was Cajun? Yeah, he was like Cajun accent. It was so funny. Like, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, picturing like, some guy with overalls and a badge. Or... <laughs> yeah. That fucking rules. Can uh, I ask you how – this is Cajun. sort of off, off topic. How accurate is the film Southern Comfort? Have you seen that? I, I've never seen. Okay. Is, wait, oh, it rules. It? I'm going to watch it. I'll let it's you know. a Walter Hill movie about a National Guard unit that goes to the bayou and to do training. And then they piss off some locals, Cajuns, and they get in a, a battle. It's a horror. Basically. It's a, basically like a folk. It's almost like Midsummer. It's like a folk yeah. horror film about like Cajun people. <laughs> I mean, it depends how Cajun these Cajuns are. Because if they're like true backwoods, like living... That's, like next to the the swamp Cajuns, then maybe that would that the, could happen. The thrust and, of and the I film is them. you is like they're mysterious and no one actually knows what they do in the swamp woods and stuff. <laughs> it's a pretty good bad movie. I think it was kind of a knockoff of like Deliverance. Is kind of what was going on yeah. when they made it. I got to check it out. That sounds fun. Well, anyway, um, so what's is there anything we can do to help? I mean, can people support you or can how can people follow along? I guess as this um, plays out. Well, our local DSA. I mean, I'm not involved with them, but I think that uh, if you donate to our local DSA, uh, I can like send you a link. Um, cool. They're doing a lot of work for hurricane victims. They're also like they have like okay. a, a, a community fridge going on. Uh, they got they're just doing a lot of good work, and they're doing all the work that I wish that I was there to be able to be helping. So with. you, but, uh, like a good comedian, are just using the spectacle of this to fix other shit. I, I appreciate that. That's. A, yeah, I mean, like, I, it, it also, like, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I always, like, or on social media in general, I'm posting, like, half jokes and half me yelling about stuff that's happening in my hometown uh, that's really fucked up or stuff that's happening in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll put in the show notes how to follow you and how to donate and all that stuff. Um, cool, man. Well... Yeah, good luck with your landmark uh, Supreme Court case. Hopefully it'll be in the history books yeah. someday. Yeah, hopefully they don't even let it go forward and they just throw it out so I can get on with my life. Yeah, and that would also possibly. be pretty cool. <laughs> my own little lawsuit. Um, oh, are you going to, not to to tease anything up, 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 upcoming, but uh, you're going to potentially, it's possible that you might counter sue. 
There's a, I have, I, there is a possibility that I have grounds for a civil rights uh, lawsuit, yes. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Well, I hope All right, guys. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah. man. Keep eating those carrots. Mm-hmm. Keep eating those carrots. You guys too. Keep eating those carrots. That's, um, that should be like the new sign-off. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of just make up a new one every time we do this. So that's it for now until something dumber comes along. Um <laughs> And if you're in, uh, you're back in New York, right? Yeah. So, yeah, if you're a New Yorker, check out John Merrifield on stage someday. Yeah, someday. Uh, I don't know why I said someday. I meant any time. Uh, Sometime. Sometime, there you go. It will happen on a day, yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless, maybe at night. Probably more likely at night. Might be at night. Yeah. All right, and so on and so forth. Um, All right, let's move on. We are now joined by uh, a lawyer, uh, Karima Assad. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, can it, are they called lawyers or barristers in Canada? I'm, I'm a barrister and a solicitor. Um, so okay. you have to do both. Um, but mostly I do litigation. So I guess I'm a barrister. Okay, cool. And, and isn't it, sorry, I'm already going off on tangents here, but don't you have to buy, like, a ridiculous amount of, like, robes and, like, legal, like, official gear that you have to wear in the Canadian court? It depends on what level of court you're practicing in. And honestly, the pandemic has changed that quite a bit because they aren't really expecting people to dress up in robes at home, except in limited circumstances. <laughs> but that is one of the many barriers to access in the profession like and it's mm. it's crazy expensive actually yeah. yeah um so it is yeah that there's so you may not have as much student loan debt as americans but you do have robe debt legal robe debt <laughs> it's not that bad okay. it is pretty bad um <laughs> and you know law school debt here probably doesn't compare to the states but relative to other degrees in canada it's a serious problem and it mm obviously affects who gets into the club um right at the outset um which is uh, something that that they need to look at wow okay interesting we're learning so much weird regional (laughs) stuff about all the people we're talking to today um well that's not the reason we're talking to you today though the reason we're talking (laughs) to you (laughs) i could go on and on and on about canadian parliament and uh, what's your favorite kind of robe (laughs) Dude, trying to moderate this podcast sometimes is like it's not so bad. Oh, all right, now now you're speaking my language. That is pretty cool. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Now I have to stop myself from asking you what Hogwarts house you're in and all that shit. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about what happened though. Uh, So you recently had a run-in with this guy, Chris Sky. Can you tell me where this all started? Yeah. um, So back in April. I published a comic about Chris Skye, who had recently been added to the no-fly list. So I thought that there was kind of a fun irony there. Um, and, and, and for he, context, like you're like a you make like satirical comics. Yes, um, I I work with uh, a couple of illustrators, and I've basically been documenting the pandemic, I guess, but just local international politics um through these editorial cartoons 
Um, so I focus mostly on politicians, but occasionally there's people just of public interest and Chris happens to be a public menace. Um, so mm. he had come to my attention um, and he gained notoriety basically for going maskless into grocery stores and bullying his way into leaving with maple syrup and just pulling stunts like that. <laughs> maple syrup. Um, okay. So anyway, I published this comic and he really uh, did not like it. Uh, had super thin skin and essentially sicked his 200,000 followers uh, on me. So I got hundreds of one-star Google reviews, um, like every type of message and comment that you can imagine. Um, and that's kind of the the origin of my, we call it a feud with Chris Guy. Yeah, hmm. I can relate. I have a similar relationship with uh, the alt-right types here. And uh, it, it's very bizarre just seeing them sort of creep into like, oh, they're in my LinkedIn today or whatever, you know? <laughs> what are they trying to do in here? Um, so okay, so this guy's like a like an alt right culture warrior anti masker type. Yeah, he calls himself a freedom fighter. Um, mm. His sort of his his theme is united non compliance. So the idea that we can just will our way out of the pandemic. This is all a ruse, and everyone stop wearing your masks. Don't get the vaccine. Uh, and then uh, to boot, he happens to be. Um, just kind of a despicable person in terms of his views on the Holocaust and like just he somehow though it's always also he, uh, he's a Nazi too it's weird <laughs> as, and does he think the Holocaust uh, didn't happen or was good he, <laughs> he he says that there's no way to know for sure it was six million so he uh. You know, kind of implies that it's maybe an over-exaggeration, um, but without really saying what he thinks did or didn't happen. Hmm. Um, and he, like, also uses terminology like useless eaters in, like, the modern-day context. Like, he, um, yeah, he borrows a lot of that, that terminology. Okay. You know, how would anyone know anything, really, <laughs> if you think about it? True. Things can be deceiving. Okay, well, so what happened after he reacted to your comic? I just made more comics. Um, <laughs> and I, I started, I kind of leaned into it because at that point, like, it was already chaos and mayhem. So there were two options, right? I could quietly go away and try to salvage and get reviews taken down and just be a good girl and not delve into this. But... That wasn't uh, that wasn't the route I chose. Um, so I, I continued um, sort of picking apart his videos. Um, like I say, there were several comics. I made some wrestling style skits, uh, and ultimately, he actually got kicked off of Instagram. Um, and I'm not taking full credit for this, and I don't even know how much a credit is is attributable. Um, but I do know that dozens of people um, who were observing this targeted harassment started making complaints and it kind of it, it there was this momentum that resulted in his primary and secondary accounts getting deleted so like 250,000 followers probably total lost okay and this is so 
What is the relationship between sort of the Canadian uh, political imagination and, and free speech? Because I've, I've also heard it's a little bit different from the United States where, you know, free speech is thought of this sacrosanct thing. Uh, but is it a bit different in, in Canada? People are a little more relaxed about, you know, censorious uh, measures here and there. So our constitutional regime, um, which maybe isn't the starting point for a lot of people who talk about free speech, but Mm -hmm. the way that it actually works here, it's not an inalienable right. Um, You do have a constitutional right to freedom of expression, but there can be limits imposed. And those limits need to be sort of demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. So there's a a test that's associated with it. Um, But I would say that because there's this acknowledgement that there's no absolute right uh, to free expression, um, the not as much emphasis is placed on it as compared to the US discourse. Now that's different among sort of right wing groups, I would say, and they latch very heavily onto this idea of free expression and and free speech. And, you know, to the detriment, I think, of people who do want to exercise that that expression, and when there is censorship, any sort of calling out of that turns into, uh, well, that's not a real issue here for us Canadians. So it is Mm. a, a fraught landscape, I would say. Hmm. Interesting. So something I've kind of noticed in looking into this is, is what? how much of an alt-right would you say, like, exists in Canada? Is there, like, a, is it behind by a few years or what's going on? You know, is it, is, is, are these people informed by our freaks down here or the ones in Europe or are they their own thing or how's, how's it all forming up? I think that there are absolutely sort of international links. Um, And, you know, I was at one of their anti-mask, anti-lockdown rallies just this afternoon, and there was someone with a Trump flag. uh, And that's not uncommon to see. Okay. So there are for sure connections. Um, I think that, you know, you ask, are we a few years behind the States? Probably. Um, But we're catching up. I was imagining it like when a, another country gets a TV show after we've watched it already, and it's like, oh, they have friends now or whatever. Yeah, oh. yeah, we are, yeah, the the unfortunate sequel, I guess, yeah. Um, or yeah, or, or whatever season. Um, so we're we're catching up, and you know, I, I've spent uh, a lot of time over the past year or so just observing people in the anti-mask, anti-lockdown group, and um, the connections to the alt-right and how it seems to be a pipeline into conspiratorial thinking. And uh, it's emerging as a very pressing issue, especially as, you know, arguably we draw closer to the end of the pandemic, knock wood, who knows. Um, There are very strong divisions and I don't know how it will be reconciled and looking sort of south of the border, I don't have a lot of, confidence in that being a smooth transition yeah it's funny that these people like constantly compare the pandemic to the holocaust and also don't believe in the holocaust 
Like, <laughs> what a feat of mental gymnastics. It's, it's yeah. a weird co-optation, like co-option, like they, they co-opt the language of oppression, right? So, you know, slavery, tyranny, segregation, lynching. Yeah. Those are all words that they use without a trace of irony, um, you know, in, in regard to public health measures that they see as unduly oppressive, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's no real sort of analysis or insight and kind of looking beyond, you know, these words have meanings and definitions and they don't really care. Mm. So tell me how we get from here to, I, I saw like a flyer for a thing where you were like kind of jokingly going to like, you know, battle the guy or whatever. It was made up to look like a wrestling match or something. Uh, what happened there? So, you know, from April to July, I've just been roasting this guy online, um, and he doesn't really have sort of the capacity or the wit to, to, to fight back. He blocked me early on in the flame war, and I just... Oh, that's funny. Um, so he tapped out. <laughs> yeah. um, and the, the show was really... It was meant to be not a debate with Chris Guy. He was the main event. Um, but really, it was a, a, a comedy show put together um, to try and subvert some of the messaging um, that, that Chris Guy and his followers adhere so strongly to. Um, and the real sort of highlight was going to be an interview with um, a, a survivor of a forced labor camp in China. Um, and, and the reason for that, you know, that's language that they co-opt as well. So this is becoming like China or like communism and, you know, just again, words without meaning. Um, so, you know, he was a draw, obviously, um, and a portal to his own sort of follower and, and a way to break into that echo chamber. Um, and that's kind of what I had envisioned um, that this would be. Um, and it didn't, it didn't quite go as planned because he... And, and apparently I are such controversial figures um, that there was a, a blockade that prevented sort of setup and the like actual production of the show. Um, and so I canceled the show, but um, the blockade remained in place. Chris Guy still showed up um, and he like hopped the barricade and then is now bragging about beating 50 Antifa, which, you know, didn't happen. But that's kind of what we ended up with. So I guess the reason that this is all very fascinating to me is because we're talking about kind of three things intersecting, which is uh, satire, you know, or comedy or whatever. Um, this What this alt-right guy is doing, and then also, like, classical anti-fascist organizing because the concept of like physically deplatforming like making something like a barricade and saying like we're not going to let this person speak um i guess i'm not entirely 100 percent skeptical of it because on some level you know when you when you listen to like richard spencer or milo yiannopoulos nowadays they're mad and they complain and they say like, ah, I can't get on stage anywhere anymore. People keep throwing stuff at me. And it's like, to some degree, shit fucking works because they just give up after a while. But to another degree though, if you don't do it correctly, I think if, if you create, if, if a situation was created where some people calling themselves anti-fascists or a black block or whatever the fuck, um, showed up to an event like this and they, 
came with the intention to in, to to make a spectacle of stopping a guy like Chris Sky from making it to the stage, and then he made it anyway. Unfortunately, that fuels a lot of what people like Chris Sky use to uh, pander to their fan base because they kind of portray themselves as being in a perpetual state of overcoming someone who's trying to censor them. This happens a lot with uh, my pet alt-right people over here. I have this fucking beef with this dumb podcast called The Legion of Skanks. They have Milo Yiannopoulos on all the time. They have all these alt-right people all the time. And they have this journalist named Seth Simons that they fixate on, and they and me, and they, they, also, they do the same thing with both of us, which is that they tell their fans, like, these guys are trying to stop us, but the show's gonna go on anyway. And it's like... No one is stopping you. You know, I didn't show up to your fucking thing to stop you. That journalist just wrote about you. They're allowed to do that or whatever. But this something I kind of noticed about their propaganda is, is this the kind of like Ubermenschian heroic figure that they display themselves as is constantly overcoming like we did it even though Antifa showed up or whatever. So to me, this seems whatever you feel about it to be a bad outcome, right? Because that sounds like it would play to his base pretty well. It was very counterproductive. I think, you know, clearly there was some miscommunication and perhaps just uh, people thinking that they know best, right? And, you know, this wasn't a rally where Chris Guy was going to be given a microphone and let's hear your thoughts on the Holocaust. I'm fascinated to know. Uh, like, absolutely not. Um, in fact, he was 15 minutes of a two-hour program um, and it was structured in such a way that, you know, he, he wouldn't be able to rely on his usual talking points, or he would throw a fit and end the interview early, which, you know, was, was a, a possibility as well. But we didn't get a chance to see any of that happen. And you're right that the, the fact that he was able to get through that formation with, you know, relative ease, um, backfired. And, you know, that that's now sort of a a success story for him and in the grand scheme of things right like you win matches you lose matches and that's what happened and we just got to move on and and keep it you know pushing forward um but it was a crummy outcome and you know i i lessons learned i think in in wanting to maybe improve on communication i'm not i'm not sure exactly yeah um but it is, you know, that is what it is. Yeah, I'm not really sure I really have a grand, like, you know, like a like a takeaway from this that I, it's really solid. I'm still kind of processing it, but I think it's interesting because, I don't know, I mean, how to deal with people like this is kind of a million dollar question. Like, no one really has the definite answer to it, and some of these tactics work really well. But then on, on sometimes these people, you know, even are open to, like, something like you're 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 describing with this show where it's like we're literally going to use the show to kind of you know like engage and have a contest and maybe the outcome is they look and look stupid you know but then a lot of times these people like invite you to come onto their own platforms and the intention is they want to do that to you and they realize how powerful the framing of like media and shit like that is and uh, it, it's, I mean, some I know a lot of people that are like podcasters and comedians and stuff who have kind of like a no, like no interaction policy because they're like they benefit from it every time. And I, I tend to lean that way, but also, 
you know, I also I mean, I fucking roast these people all day and I fucking fuck with them because I can tell they don't like it. And so like, you know, I guess what where my big galaxy brain go is going with all this is like, you know, can can we use comedy to fuck with these people who are using comedy to radicalize shitheads, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really think we can and, you know, maybe that perspective shifts or changes, but it's been working for me for the past, you know, 6 7 months. Yeah. And like the 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 Chris Sky saga in particular was something that was foisted upon me. Um, I had done up to that point over a hundred editorial cartoons with barely a reaction from anyone who was in them. You know, it it generated engagement among my followers and you know wherever the comics spread. But I, I wasn't fighting with our premier or the prime minister or the mayor or anything even close to that. Um, so. He invited himself into my life and I kind of wanted to take it, tackle it, deal with it on my terms head on. Um, and I was prevented from doing that. And I, I feel still a little bit robbed of that title shot, so to speak. Mm. Um, but it is, you know, the, the, the bottom line, I think, is that, you know, there's, if we had the answer and we knew sort of what strategies 100% of the time are going to work, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, so I think that there's room for diversity in tactics and things need to be still done thoughtfully, right? And, and there's ways for even comedy to backfire. Um, but I think that there's a material difference in platforming someone for their ideas and, and ridiculing them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like a Venus flytrap or something. Like the, the, a good way to do, it, to do this maybe is to lure them in and make them think that they can you know, win with a 15 minute set and then they actually look like shit and everything. <laughs> I don't know. Well, so right. how how's this play out after this? I mean, what's going on right now? Um, so there, I mean, there was a bit of fallout from that. And again, I feel that some of the, the criticism was a bit unfair um, because there was a lot of thought put into how this would be structured. And uh, there's a very natural tendency, perhaps, and maybe especially nowadays, to jump to conclusions and make assumptions and then double down, triple down on those positions. Um, so that's kind of the aftershock I'm dealing with. But for my part, I, I want to continue what I've been doing, which is documenting the sort of this rising and growing movement, because whatever is happening with case counts and COVID deaths, um, these people aren't going anywhere. So that's that's my focus and, uh, you know, continuing to to deal with that as, you know, in a humorous way because that's how I personally process things. And, you know, there's room for serious podcasters. There's room for, um, like, the no-nonsense approach. And there's room to criticize and say that maybe I humanize too much and, you know, that's not helpful to the greater effort. But what I've seen play out in my comment sections and like DMs is people who arrived initially to attack me and just kind of hung around and, you know, kept consuming the content that was outside of their usual consumption patterns. And, you know, I'm, I am not at all the anti-mask messiah, but I've had many, many private conversations with people where in the end and pointing them to resources that I think are more helpful or, you know, and, and it, it's very incremental. Don't get me wrong, 
Um, the purpose of this show was to see if it could be done on a wider scale. And I'm still committed to trying that out. Uh, it'll just be in a different venue and I'll be smarter about announcing where that is. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, it seems like a really delicate uh, balance because, you know, the, the it, I, I feel this a lot of the time, too, when I'll hear, you know, uh, football players or whoever saying, like, I'm not going to get the vaccine, I'm not going to get the vaccine, and I, I, you get angry at first, right? But uh, that's not always the, the most convincing uh, way to convince to, to change somebody's mind is to, to just yell at them. But it does seem like ridiculing their leaders or this someone like Chris Skye, who you're not going to convince, right? Could have a is having a an impact because people he who follow him are seeing that ah maybe this isn't all it's it's cracked up to be, um, but how how has Canada's because uh, you know we we're t- mostly an American audience, um, but it, and down here it seems like um, we you know the the mainstream media anyway is Canada's one of the those great examples. Just like New York, uh, where the COVID response was so, so professional and, and responsible and safe. Uh, but what has the, the reality been and, and what are some of the elements you think that are, are uh, behind this uh, anti-mask movement now? So, I mean, it really depends on what province you're looking at um, to say whether the response has been adequate or good. Um, and also... Uh, just kind of for comparison, right? Um, so our our provincial leaders, equivalent to a state or a governor, mm-hmm. um, they have certain responsibilities and powers. And then there's the federal government that has certain responsibilities and powers. Right. And so on a national scale, I think that, you know, we've done satisfactorily, um, it, uh, you know, in dealing with the pandemic. But in Ontario... Um, which is where I'm based, we happen to have a very like hapless and incompetent and corrupt leader. Um, so he has botched the pandemic response on a number of fronts, which actually gives fuel to these anti-lockdown, anti-mass movements. Right. And so there's an irony in the fact that many of these folks would have elected this guy um, because he is a conservative leader um, many of them probably started off liking him, um, but now there is really strong rhetoric against him within sort of this this movement. Um, so it, it is polarizing in the sense that it's pushing people to even further extremes um, on the political spectrum. Um, and, you know, there's, yeah, like the political response, I think, um, underestimated how angry people would get after 15 months of touch-and-go policy that seems really arbitrary because it is really arbitrary. Um, and, you know, our, our premier just gave a lot of room for people to criticize the response and to genuinely believe that it's unfair how things are being handled uh, because it was unfair they're just reaching sort of different conclusions about whether the pandemic is real or, you know, to what extent is this a government off? And, you know, that's where things go off the rails. And so the premier is, is uh, Doug Ford, who that name might ring some bells. He was the brother of 
Rob Ford, uh, who of course was uh, mayor of Toronto, and oh, yeah, I, I yeah. actually live in a city, DC, that has a had had a now deceased uh, crack smoking mayor, and uh, yeah, I, yeah. I will say ours was better than Rob <laughs> Ford. But uh, what it it seems sort of um, strange, maybe to to outsiders, that this uh, province would elect somebody associated uh, so closely with with Rob Ford. But uh, what there is a strong social base. It sounds for. For the Fordism, if you will, uh, what is that base, and and is there a split kind of on the the COVID question? So, so I mean, they, that is like a, a political dynasty family, I suppose, because their father also um, was in politics. So mm. it it and there's other relatives who have kind of made their way. Um, Doug Ford also ran to be mayor of Toronto and lost, um, and felt. A ways about that and then ran for the premier sh- or sorry um to be political leader so that he could run for premiership mm-hmm. um and and that was quite contentious as well there was someone else who uh, whose name is patrick brown who was arguably the forerunner um and then a scandal came out about him and it kind of it shifted things and uh, doug ford has a, he can be charismatic at times um, and sort of had these very simplistic policies of buck a beer, um, we're going to stop the gravy train, we're going to, you know, things that were really appealing to people. And uh, so, so just people, the buck a beer, that was related to alcohol tax, right? Quite, no, quite literally, he wanted to have sort of, he, he, his promise was that there would be beer available for a dollar. Oh, a yeah. buck of beer. <laughs> no, so like as stupid and simplistic as it sounds, like that that was his main it, it doesn't have it like there is no buck of beer. He also mm. promised like lower electricity rates, they've increased significantly. Like I, I mean just He was describing malt liquor, which with the crack smoking, <laughs> I mean that's uh, Yeah. That's a whole yeah, afternoon. So Two stallions should run on, should run <laughs> on menu items. <laughs> Um, and, and so how they got elected at the provincial level, um, there, you know, there's a lot of rural support. Um, and, and he really, because of his personal beef with Toronto and the GTA, um, kind of leveraged some of the internal, like, no one likes Toronto in Ontario. No one likes Toronto anywhere, I guess. We're good. Um, but, you know, they think we're, we're jerks. Um, so he was able to, to use some of that momentum, um, and, and they, you know, were coming, we, we came out of a fairly long standing, um, like liberal premiership, right? So in any kind of politics, you know, it only lasts for so long and then the other side wins. Um, so there was, you know, a decade or so of the other side being in charge, um, how far apart these two sides are is a, a subject for another day. Um, but that's kind of what happened in 2018. And it was like, ah, how bad could it be? Um, but, you know, it turns out pretty bad when there's like a global emergency and we're dealing with someone who purportedly didn't know how to use a laptop until like May of this year. Whoa. So, <laughs> Respect. Not in good shape. We're not. That's funny because that used to be like a sign of uh, sort of 
machismo among politicians in in the U.S. It'd be like, oh, I I don't know how computers work, uh, but that was in like the '90s. Uh, by that logic, I'm I'm a very masculine person myself. But uh, my esteemed comrades, I just learned to read. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that all makes sense with that weird like kind of culture war underlying, you know, faux populism thing. Like, oh, we, you know. With the real people that live out here in the sticks. Knowing how to do things is suspect, no matter where you are. Yeah. Right. Because then people think you're up to something. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. All right. Well. <clears throat> um. So what? So where? Where are we at? How can our listeners um, support you in your ongoing uh, battle with Chris Sky and his, you know, his gang of weirdos? The miscreants. Um, I am very active on Twitter. Um, so that's where most of my action goes down. My handle is Karima, C-A-R-Y-M-A, rules, R-U-L-E-S. Um, that's also the domain for my website, karimarules.com. Or you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, at Karima Sad. And that's where, that's where the magic happens. I make comics, I do videos, and really just you know offer my little perspective on on what's going on because i think that there is a deeper issue that um you know if we don't take it seriously and and it's i say that despite the fact that all i do is make jokes um but if we don't actually kind of contend with what's happening um we're going to be blindsided and there's no justification for that because it's playing out in slow motion Mm -hmm. so that's where, you know, find my takes uh, on Twitter, pretty cool. much. Cool. Totally. Well, yeah, I mean, as a, uh, you know, fellow creative and uh, stir up of shit, I salute you. Um, yeah, keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you for coming on. All right. episode everybody it was a fucking episode about art what is that was it fun. and uh, fighting with art i don't know who this character is i'm doing he's like who is this man <laughs> I'd, I'd love to hear more about him like scorsese or somebody like that maybe what you gotta do is you gotta fight with the art satire um no scorsese is a little more quick his voice is, uh, you know, like this. Do you talk like that? Yeah, he's a very quick time. I have heard that he uh, does not like marijuana because it slows you down. He does like cocaine because it speeds you up. He seems like that he makes, likes cocaine. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to me that you said that. Yeah. You um, know why? Because his art is fast. <laughs> it's so fast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fast. Okay. I mean, does this make sense as a thematic episode? You know, we got some. There's anti-fascism and satire and cops and alt-right shit. Oh, I totally got it. I've been getting great reviews from the listeners. Yeah. They love this episode. They're going out. They're making their art. They're doing cocaine. Everyone loves this episode. Yeah. 
Yeah, everyone loves Trump. cocaine. I've been sent several finger turkeys by adoring fans since we started. That would make sense, actually, because they're stupid children. Do you call them finger turkeys or hand turkeys? Hand turkeys. Hand turkeys, because you need finger the Finger turkeys is... I'm sorry I said that. That's like a new thing we're starting, and it has no place in this show. Don't send me a finger turkey. I've received several hand turkeys. Yeah, no, that's weird as hell. Finger turkey. I, I'm not even joking. I was going through shit in my room, and somebody, when I went, was on tour in Chicago, gave me a hand turkey. And was like, I like your podcast. Here's a hand turkey. <laughs> oh, man. Our fans are weird. Somebody made me, like, um, they worked at a like a greeting card company, and they, like, used the the stuff that they used to make pop-up, like, greeting cards. And they made me a greeting card that had, like, a, like an A-cab and, like, a cop car on fire. It was fucking cool. It's probably the coolest oh, thing nice. anyone's ever given me. Uh, if you have a crayon creation to send Jake, his address is as follows. Yeah. Long beeping noise. <laughs> you could figure it out. I think if people really, there's people probably know where I live, um, but I'm not going to tell you. You have to. You you have to engage in the hunt. It's right. hidden in the episodes. It's, it's like a, a scavenger like a decoder hunt. ring kind of situation. I f- That's what a Bushwick like... is. It's just a scavenger hunt to find Jake's house. Yeah, it's like the Michael Douglas movie, The Game, but it's you're trying to find my house, and I'm like right. leaving clues everywhere, and I'm like, is it over here? Is it behind <laughs> this bodega? No, the bodega guy's an actor, and he's in on it. You know, a glue factory is involved, Hot Shot. Yeah. But what else? Follow the glue. Follow the sound of the glue. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Mm. There was a clown car there one time. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Shit. Have you ever seen that movie, The Game? No, I haven't. I know Mikey Dougs is in it, but I'll have to watch that. It's on Netflix right now. It's very fun, and it's dumb as shit. But it's like... um, it's he's like a high-powered CEO guy in the '90s, and like for his birthday, someone gives him like uh, it's essentially like a the concept is like a, a very elaborate like escape room kind of thing. Like you go to this company, and then you like you just you do all these psychological surveys with them, and they get inside your head, and then they like specifically design a weird gaslighty situation where you're like. You know, people are chasing you through the streets and stuff, and you're like finding a you 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 go to a payphone and it's ringing, and then there's like a key inside of it. And you have to find where to put the key to, and all this is ridiculous. That's a birthday present. Yeah, that's something you would give to someone as a gift. <laughs> I think the idea is that some people are so rich they need like extra, you know, that like they they need to do right. all this crazy stuff or whatever to fulfill their like the most dangerous game. Most dangerous game, also, yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. kind of the same thing. Except in this, in the game, Michael Douglas becomes the hunt ed kind of. Whereas in most dangerous game, that's when a rich, bored person becomes the hunter, right, right, right. and they hunt right. ice tea in the '90s version. In the industry, we call it a reverse rat race. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually met uh, a player of a game, a, mo- the mo- a most dangerous game uh, as well, uh, American football, uh, <laughs> last night. 
wanted to make sure to talk about this. <laughs> what did you Mets. want to say about this exactly? There's a lot to say. I, 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 we could do an entire episode on, on this. This is one of the greatest moments of my life, meeting Frederick Smoot, who goes by Fred. But Fred Smoot, the mouth of the South, as he's known. Uh, Cajun former, style. Yeah. I think he might be from that region. But he is a former defensive back for both the Washington football team and the Minnesota Vikings. So he is like in the top tier of people that I've always wanted to meet. And he was at a thing right by my apartment uh, that I went to. They were installing new gambling uh, facilities. And there was like not that many people around. It was awesome. And I got to hang out with him. And uh, we talked. We first of all had a debate about the name because he wa- he's a big proponent of Red Wolves. Um, Celebrities Red love wolves. when you debate them. That's <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite things. He's a very you know nice guy, so he he was cool with it. He he heard me out. He had some good points. He's gonna he says that the entire stadium is gonna go. Ooh. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's hard to argue Wolfpack. with. Wolfpack. Yeah. Um, I like still think it should be hogs, but you know what are you gonna do? The entire audience during hogs is like squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Oink, yeah. oink, oink, motherfucker! Oink, 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 That'd be so much fun. Yeah, I don't There's a guy know. just okay. rolling in mud, <laughs> like one of the big yeah. fat guys. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing we did get into that uh, I this is a, a very interesting event. It's a, is the love boat scandal. Are you guys familiar with the love boat scandal? Go on. So, 2005, Minnesota Vikings, during the season, had a bye week. They had a week off, and the coach was like, find some, you know, team-building exercise to do with the rookies. And just get, you know, we need we need more chemistry on our, our squad. So they rented a boat uh, in Lake Minnetonka, which is in this very affluent suburb, hired a bunch of strippers and sex workers— and had uh, basically an orgy in the middle of Lake Minnetonka, <laughs> and uh, this was like... Wait, who who did this? Sorry. The Vikings. Fred Smoot. He, okay. he was the one who orchestrated the whole thing. Okay. Uh, and then Fred there was... you dog! Yeah. And uh, Dante Culpepper was there. We don't know if he actually... Because he's married, so we don't know what he actually did, but... Yeah, they did it on a, a boat like Vikings would. That's exactly, cool. and that's what Fred Smoot said because it was a huge. It was like nine eleven had happened in the Twin Cities at the time, and uh, Fred Smoot was like, "Well, I was talking to them about this last night." And he was like, "How are you going to name yourselves the Vikings and then blame me for getting into character?" Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> yes. you can't be mad at Vikings for having a boat sex. Right. Not, for a lot of people, nine eleven was like when football players have sex on a boat. Right. Oh my God! Because people were traumatized from seeing these sex acts. Infamously, Bryant McKinney was an offensive lineman. Uh, held a girl with her consent. He um, put her, placed her buttocks on the bar, and then performed cunnilingus in front of a bunch of people. Were you all there? How do you know this? <laughs> it's, it was. They're like, did you? Word gets around. News? Yeah, well, yeah, people, word gets around. It was widely reported. Uh, people freaked out. And and that move, by the way, Fred Smoot calls uh, going through the briar patch, in his words. Uh, and <laughs> what? Um, at the time, and this was why it was so surreal for me last night, because at the time, I went to a charter school and we did not have sex ed. So I had to get sex ed from a church. 
uh, like a Unitarian church. Oh, no. And we had to have a whole day where they just discussed how horrified they were <laughs> that these guys were getting it in in public. Uh, and it was like, this, this is... Oh my God! This is you know they think the rules don't apply to them because they're football players. Like no, the rules do apply. They're allowed to have sex. Yeah, fourth and down out there. Right, uh, and the best part was there's this, and this is how I brought it up to Fred, because now we're on a first name basis. But uh, <laughs> Chris Cluey, who is a very wacky guy, former Minnesota Vikings punter, who's extremely into Warcraft, and was okay. Yeah. <laughs> And was a libertarian. Now he's kind of like, uh, I think he's a Bernie guy. I'm not totally sure. But they interviewed him about this. He was not on the love boat because he's, you know, a, a loner. He does his own thing. That's Fred explained. He's a lone wolf. Yeah. And he, he will said. never make love on a boat. Well, well, he said to his credit, he's like, we live in a free society. And if people are consenting to having sex on a boat that they have chartered, and it's in public view, they're still allowed to do it. Libertarian guy is very concerned with the chartering. He's like, they chartered it. Right. It's, it's all above board. Yeah. And yeah, he wasn't even there. Rights. And he, the action yeah. principle is upheld. <laughs> right. the the international waters. Right. He was defending their right to do it. And frankly, the reason behind this is, like, during this time, I think it was maybe a little later that this came out, but Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Packers, Pittsburgh, fuck Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers, excuse me, uh, raped a woman and didn't get charged for it. And uh, he's a white guy. And this was a huge, huge scandal in Minnesota. Uh, and it took like a year for them to go to court. And they got like charges pressed against them. Uh, because there was this this nice suburb, and all these uh, rich white people were like horrified that there was that BBDs were out there, uh, and in, in plain view of <laughs> did their. You, did you just review big black dicks? Yes, uh, <laughs> BBDs were in plain view, and they were like you walking. Or, slang coming out again. A guy like took a piss on somebody's lawn because he had to be. Is in a boat, and uh, that was like worth uh pressing charges and you know having like a a really official court case where they had to you know took like a year for them to to resolve this so uh that was just something i wanted to share very very cool that's crazy well mr smoot speaking of vikings and warcraft uh uh, mm. Something happened with Vikings. And, I'm trying to do Anders shit. Uh, have you guys followed the <laughs> fucking? <laughs> have you have you been following this thing that happened at Blizzard, the the gaming company that makes World of Warcraft and Starcraft and uh, Diablo and shit? Little they've been bit. Having they've been having an animal house. Yeah, there was like uh, I, I can't remember exactly how it came out, but there was like a piece was written about just like the the broy douchey culture of the the company and all of the nepotism and sexism and like if you're a woman in the in blizzard you know todd gets your fucking job even though you worked harder for it and all this stuff and it's apparently it's just guys sitting around drinking like ipas from the company taps and shit and apparently it's like fucking horrible but something kind of interesting happened with it this week that i think maybe we might want to look into at one point which is uh they're they hired a um a union busting law firm essentially and it looks like they're starting to figure out that that might be the direction this is going and um what the fuck is the the firm it's, do they think union busting is going to help with 
like this massive scandal that they've brought on themselves. Like there's a guy recording everybody in the bathroom. Like this goes outside of labor law. <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird. I think that they think that people are going that their workers are going to unionize, and so they're getting ahead of it uh, because this this firm fucking it's it's the one that just busted like Amazon that essentially went down to Bessemer and convinced. Uh, workers, you know, you don't want to unionize. Uh, right. they, they take too many dues from you right. or whatever. It's called Wilmer Hale. It's like one of the biggest fucking law firms in... Wilmer. My dad's from Wilmer, Minnesota. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> um, but I don't know. This could be interesting because they sort of preemptively brought this in. I think the angle is that they're going to say, um, oh, what you need is HR. All of these problems can be solved with HR, which seems to be this company's like MO or this law firm's MO or whatever. And uh, as we know, you know, law, HR is there to mediate, to protect the boss, you know? It's like the opposite of a, It's the boss's union sort of mechanism. So yeah. I think it's kind of interesting because, like, we might have a moment in uh, gamer world where all of those fucking people maybe learn how this works, you know? Or not. Yeah. It's a group that gets radicalized very quickly one way or another. Usually in the worst direction possible. But I guess that may be my prediction here. Is they have fast reaction times from all the gaming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, it could be a teachable moment. could be a thing to, to, to communism. Yeah, kill a bunch I of mean, there is... Um, I just did a segment about this for Redacted. The, the gaming industry is a very terrible place to work. Uh, just... They it's in a perpetual state of what is called uh, crunch, where they're trying to get the game out, and as you know, there's like glitches and all this stuff that you need to fix, and some of it doesn't even get done before uh, before it gets out. And there's so much to to weed through and do all this stuff. So instead of like hiring a bunch of people to do it, it they depend on the same core of, of people and underpay them uh, and rely on them to do this, and uh, they don't have in a lot of cases, a union. Um, And I think the model for this is uh, Hollywood because we forget Hollywood is a really union, you know, a lot of things about Hollywood I hate, but it's a union town. The right now is like Hollywood in 1934. Exactly, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right, and and that's why you have to have, you know, people are like, well, these are temporary things, right? And it's true, a a game uh, often... uh, to develop a game, it'll be only open. They'll only they'll create an LLC just for this one game, and then it'll shutter. Uh, and maybe that is the nature of the beast. But that's why you get a union for people who are, you know, effectively freelancers, uh, which is what Hollywood is, right? So you're guaranteed good pay, good benefits, good conditions. Uh, you know, even if you're hopping from from gig to gig. There's sure as fuck enough money going around. Yeah. This is, I have only spent my income on video games my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> I own no things. I spent my entire pandemic relief check on freemium content inside of, uh, you know, World of Warcraft or whatever. There's a new Pokemon game where you score where Pikachu slam dunks a basketball into a hoop. And it made my friend from high school so mad he woke his wife up. Yeah, dude. Wait, we screaming. We have to play that on the fucking Twitch stream, man. People lose their goddamn minds. It looks bad. Snorlax bust their rim. <laughs> Can we play Leisure Suit Larry on Twitch? Maybe. I, I proposed doing a Bernie fundraiser with Leisure Suit Larry in 2020, <laughs> but Jeremy shot it down. Oh man. 
That would, yeah. Does he look like the protagonist? No, it's just the game is... It's like Activision Blizzard in there. It's, it's yeah. nuts. It's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Imagine being on the team that had to produce Leisure Suit Larry. Like, there's not enough hair on this these balls. What if these? <laughs> what if the team that made Leisure, Leisure Suit Larry is actually like super woke, and uh, in opposition to the, you know, the the Blizzard thing, they're like very. It may be they're ahead of the curb. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Maybe that's you know. an episode. Like, we're making we a, got a lot of good ideas coming up about Le- right. Leisure Suit Larry's fucking. God damn it! I was gonna do a riff about Leisure Suit Larry and fucking Murray. My cat came in here, and jumped on top of the carrots I was eating earlier. God damn it! God damn, damn it, you, Murray. Murray! Murray, the power of satire cannot be uh, held back. Stop trying to fuck the Lola Bunny lady. She's a bunny, and you're a cat. Is he eating they the should plastic make, carrot bag? Is try, that what's happening? Yeah, he's trying to eat my fucking carrots. <laughs> they should make a sex ed game with cats, I think. Because I, <laughs> I, think I understand why it is like maybe a little bit too vulgar to do like Ganguro Girl or Leisure Suit Larry or whatever for kids. But you would still you get a sense of how the reproductive system works. If you uh, are a cat doing it with another cat in a yeah. video game. I think you can um, find that on DeviantArt.com. Yeah. These interests Probably. have been widely explored, Anders. <laughs> I'd highly recommend okay. Google searches there. Oh, the other thing I want to bring up, too, but the Love Boat thing. That would have been an opportune time if not for the uh, self-hating sort of anti-sex attitudes of the people of Minnesota and the you know Unitarian Lutheran religion. Uh, would have been a great time to to get our own boat and as a sex ed class wait out there you know float out and get get the binoculars and watch as they are fornicating and having intercourse and we would see uh, visually what it how it's done right would have been a great opportunity for kids and I'm sure it was educational for the children present you are out of your goddamn mind this is another thing you wanted to bring up you had this like written down (laughs) Yeah, there should have take. been binoculars right. for kids. I like. A, I'm yeah. assuming this happened for at the night. children to learn from. This mm-hmm. happened. had to have happened at night, right? Am I? No, it was during the day. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like a brunch uh, uh, matinee. Just a bunch situation. of middle school boys with like notepads out, writing down like uh, "B seven feet tall." Underline, underline. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, I saw some lady get canceled on Twitter the other day for basically making the same point Andrews is making. Just <laughs> she's like, there should be pornography for kids because you know, I mean, it's like they just go straight into the hard stuff, and then their brains are. Gonna be, uh, honestly, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna touch the that point, is but, but there is. <laughs> I I got a book when I was a kid that my from the eighties that my mom had, where it was pictures, <laughs> and it was like it's drawn and it was not derogatory or anything and it just it just illustrated how how it works. I don't know, man. Which what how you're not gonna like. I kind of our kids not gonna do that. It's like learning to swim where you just throw the kid into the pool or whatever. Like this is part of life now. Is you just sort of you just sort of are. At some point, you're gonna have the internet just be exposed to the weirdest fucking shit ever, and then you go from there. The you you I think they should be reached gonna, before you're that. You're gonna get blasted. There's no way around it. You're gonna get too much of everything. All no, of I, th- I think we should reach them before that and do sex positive education. Maybe not like okay, probably not great to for them to look at uh, a sex party on a boat, but. 
There, there should be visuals. How I think, is of that some sort. less? How is that more tame than normal porn of sex party <laughs> with the Minnesota Vikings on a boat? Yeah, that's actually. It like, just sounds like normal porn. Yeah, it just that just actually sounds like porn. Well, that's the thing. It's a fine line, right? Because I remember getting this book and thinking, like, I'm not allowed to look at pictures of this on the internet, but I am allowed to look at like these '80s illustrations. We that are like very up. scientific. <laughs> I gotta go. Okay. All right. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, let's see. How do I segue here? I know what um, you're trying to get to. <laughs> right. Uh, you know what's where a uh, lake, a huge lake that you can maybe access from Minnesota, not Lake Minnetonka, but if they had the love boat in the Great Lakes of Minnesota, they could have done a very long trip full of sex, a week maybe, of nonstop sex till they get to Lake Huron. What is it? Erie? Lake Erie in front of Cleveland. Okay. See what I did? Uh-huh. Cleveland as a lakefront. Uh, and in Cleveland, the city of Cleveland and the surrounding region, Congressional District, there is a special election for the Democratic nomination on Tuesday in which our gal... Nina Turner is contending is. with uh, Chantel Brown, who is a a pick of the establishment. Uh, and um, so at first, <laughs> people were very surprised a few months ago when it came out that Nina Turner was like beating everybody because there were a few different candidates. Uh, and she was winning by just tens of tens of points. Her campaign and, survived doing an event with me. I was on a panel that she right. was on a while back, and I was seriously like, this is going to destroy your campaign. Yeah, I mean, her campaign is being plugged now on a podcast that just suggested children should watch uh, public <laughs> sex acts. Uh, These are just all things you're doing. <laughs> Your plug is for Nina Turner after the sex boat. That's all you. Unrelated to all the rest of the podcast. Just, yes. Just vote for right. Nina Turner. There's the reason why we don't interview many politicians, and uh, this is why. Uh, but um, so she was winning by a lot, and then the establishment consolidated around Chantel Brown and spent big time. She basically sent out press releases to... Uh, super PACs, like, kind of, you know, not directly, but was like, give us money! Hillary, Democratic Hillary majority Clinton, for Israel. Hillary yeah. Clinton poked her ass in and, and uh, endorsed uh, Chantel Brown, as she is wont to do. She always endorses whoever is running against a progressive for, right. you know, Hillary well, Clinton reasons. Well, isn't that a good reasons. sign, though? Because doesn't she have a, fa- a fantastic track record for losing? It's the kiss. Yes, she does. It's the kiss of death. Yeah. Right. Um, right. But another thing that happened is that, um, the, like, a bunch of GOP have been endorsing and, and funneling money into Chantel Brown, like Republicans. In a this yeah. is a Democratic primary we're talking about, right? Because they know they're not going to win. Uh, a, a Republican's not going to win that seat, so they want the best friend of, friend of Israel they can get, which is definitely and friend of you know big business too. Yeah, and that's Chantel. Uh, also. Uh, Jim Clyburn has weighed in, and he admits that it was because Nina Turner was at an event with Killer Mike, and Killer Mike called him stupid for not getting any conditions for his endorsement of Biden. Um, and he rhymed too. Yeah, much more hurtful. Right, and uh, Clyburn's response was, 
well, if I'm going to be stupid, then I'll I'll just be stupid the whole way, and he's going to ruin the state. Uh, yeah, I'll show you stupid. And he does <laughs> right. Cool. I, but yeah, he's going to endorse with us, hopefully a losing campaign, but it is looking pretty close. Uh, where there things are tightening up, a um, lot of money flowing in there, bringing out the big guns on both sides, and uh, they are also stooping to a very hilarious. Uh, <laughs> level recently Chantel Brown was at an event with uh, 12 people in which uh, she gave a speech and the response from the crowd uh, it appeared it, it by you know it sounded like there were maybe 50 people there just uh, I guess off in the distance whose voices carried uh, because this was just the most obviously manipulated uh, I, I got it right here so in the video there are one two three four people visible in a large field there's a couple other people visible in lawn chairs that are watching something else different event they're in like the background so it's like there's no one here and here's how it sounds my political brother my spiritual brother my baby brother bashir jones councilman bashir jones give it up for him candidate for mayor but again that is that was four people about like things are going my way so fast forward election day comes the polls close and i was down by six votes six votes down but not out disappointed but not devastated as a child of faith i've never been shy about my faith as a child of faith i said okay god i trust your infinite wisdom maybe this isn't for me and I was actually convinced I would never run for public office again. It's Sunday. Does anybody have to happen again? God What's in happening? their spirit? But God. So, 11 days later, I learned that there were 20... All right, I don't know. I'm not going to play the whole thing. Can Andrews just trick okay. us into listening to a Chantel Williams speech? Chantel <laughs> yeah. Brown. Oh. Whoa. Well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you see the, the desperate... <laughs> you see the uh, desperate... Uh, attempt there to see him but you know the fear could work they're not going to get people to come out to these rallies but they could demonize nina turner to the extent where she could pull it out so that is it is why it uh, it rests on us the left generally uh to intervene and phone back he got a couple of days to do it uh if you're in northern ohio please 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 go out and canvas uh and if you're not then sign up for them phone banks because uh, this is a very important race, uh, if only for the me- mere fact of spite. Uh, because if Nina Turner wins, Jim Clyburn will have to interact with her, uh, and that is going to be so entertaining. Uh, she is not afraid to criticize the establishment. Very outspoken uh, member of Congress, and that is it's just going to be, I think, a, a big boost uh, to the movement. And um, you know, just having one more vote uh, on the side of the people I think is a big thing. Yeah, so right on. Go to ninaturner.com if you want to sign up the volunteer. Well, that's a great call to action, I think, to round this show out on. And I, I think as we uh, bring your episode of PDA to a close today, let's just uh, everyone give a round of applause for us and the good job we've done. God damn it. I fucking hear. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to the show.
I googled this in a fucking Lady Gaga video called Applause came up first and it made me so mad that's why I just said god damn it but anyway thank you everyone for listening to the show and um you know, what's that oh oh thank you so much we're doing such oh, a wow. good job here they, wow so many people in my apartment right now just doing pop backstage passes yeah who did this <laughs> that's basically what Chantel Brown did this is just use that laugh track applause canned thing it's pretty funny it's astroturfing it's evil she's probably gonna win capitalism sucks it fucks up <laughs> liberal democracy okay well, she might not which if you phone back for her dear listener hell yeah cool all right well i think that is uh our podcast this week let's do plugs and get the fuck out of here anybody got anything besides that uh at andersley here on twitter redacted tonight uh apologies to my hometown i for i said i did a segment on indy welton and forgot to mention i said she's the first socialist mayor of a major city in 50 years forgetting about jim scheibel who we've interviewed on this show so sorry comrade jim uh and to the people of st paul that's my plug an apology to my town of hometown of st paul minnesota well there is egg on your face yes good sir um, I apologize to no one. You can find me on Twitter at Patak Test Kitchen, your one-stop shop for exciting new flavors. I have two other podcasts. You can find them there. And that's my plug. Um, I want to apologize to the city of Houston, Texas, because I'm coming on tour, and it'll be my first set of the tour, which means it will be the worst one because I... <laughs> tend to write my material as I go on tour so the end is always the best uh, but it's a punk show at a place called House of Jays so I think it's actually rather on brand if I am not good because that's actually good in punk hmm. logic <coughs> um, the punk show like there will be other uh, other bands there There's so it's uh, my buddy Nick Zachariah who's been on the show uh, has like a, a, a series he's doing called punks versus comics and it's like some comics and then some fucking punk bands and like there's a cool commie punk band called kim jong uno opening and i think maybe one or two other musical people so that's fucking tight come on out if you're in houston in my hometown and then also after that we're gonna go to austin san antonio oklahoma city albuquerque el paso phoenix uh la and las vegas might have missed one or two in there maybe santa fe i'm not sure um so that's it. August uh, 13th is when the tour starts. I'm also going to do a set here in New York, I think on the 12th or something like that. Casual sets. My friend Luisa Diaz's show, who I run my other show with, Pod Damn, or uh, Why Are You Mad? Um, <laughs> I've completely ruined my brain podcasting. Uh, check that out. Buy merch from us. Sign up for our Patreon. We have a ton of bonus episodes behind the paywall. And, you know, this is how we survive so uh do all that shit and i think that's all i got yeah cool uh, uh it's eat your carrots eat your carrots it's finished bbds big black dicks okay